On this week's Bet the Process podcast, Rufus and I explore his inner psyche, his journey to being a tout, and all the different mistakes that we've both made in our lives. And we empty the mailbag. We actually answer some real questions in the mailbag, which is rare for us. We usually just ask for questions and then ignore them. And um, I think we get to some interesting topics around entrepreneurism and the meaning of life. So with that, let's start the process. Bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a tout with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage is welcome to. Another episode of the Bet the Process podcast where Rufus is, are you melancholy? Are you happy? I kind of feel like we need to start with this whole deep dive into your psyche. I'm doing, I'm doing well, man. I'm, I'm, I'm in a very, I'm in a peaceful place right now. I mean, golf does that to me. Um, and yeah, I mean, just like I'm a work in progress just like everybody else. And some days are better than others, but I feel like I'm in, I don't know, the last year I've, you know, grown a ton and under, I understand myself more and better. And yeah, I'm on, I'm, I'm globally very happy. Got it. So you send me this, do you want to talk about this whole no, we thing? Don't I mean, I don't know. No, Jackson, someone DM'd me and then I, um, with some exchange from the RAS Slack, um, and then, I, and then I asked Jack about it, and he sent me the whole like exchange. But it's, I mean, I don't want to say who the guy is, but it's someone who's had a beef with me for a long time because of my approach to. Well, he believes gambling has been sports betting has been solved by machine learning. You just plug it into a, you just throw the data at a computer, and suddenly it does that. It, you you have a winning model, but, and I don't believe it works that way. So he got ended up getting in a fight with Elihu, who big timed us wouldn't be on our own podcast, right? But it seems oh, like we're gonna, we'll get him on at some point. I think he was just yeah. It seems like Elihu was defending you though a little bit, right? Yeah, Elihu's a really good guy, and I'm not um, saying that just because he was defending me, but I think like Jeff. I mean, the big thing is the fact that like, I mean, most you know, I think a little knowledge can be really destructive. Okay, so I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going to interview you from a standpoint of like honest questions that might guide this. So the context is, is this the right, the RAS uh, slide yeah. I, I, I left, I, I. Uh, no, but is that, was that the rap? Like we have to give but it. But it was, yes, it was. So it's the I Right believe. Angle Sports Slack channel, which is a Slack channel of, generally sharp betters right in there um i certainly some sharp betters i think it's better you know it's is, that's like saying so the, the, wait, wait wait here's a is twitter is gambling twitter a community of sharp betters i mean it's the same as i feel like it's like the same type of population so yes they're sharp betters and there's not sharp betters my perception is that the slack the right angle sports slack channel skews sharper than twitter generally I think you don't have the the sort of like content creator types in there. So, okay. Yeah. People don't have an ulterior motive because it's not like it doesn't have as broadcast to it. I mean, it's so, there's still, there's still the sort of motive of like, I don't know, recognition. So, I mean, I, I think, to like again, it. so the, the general, I was reading through it because you took the time to send it to me. <laughs> I did. Yeah. You took the time to send it to me. So I, I'm reading through it. And I think what's interesting about it is, one, I think there is a doubt yet um, amongst people. And like the, 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 the kind of thing that I'm going to ask you this question, right? And you're going to answer. I know how you're going to answer. You're going to answer it in like this sort of weird, esoteric, vague, I'm like woke and happy with my life kind of way. Uh, I'm not but woke. Are you a historical, are you a historically winning better? <laughs> yes. Okay. Do you win did you, how, around how much money did you win last year? 
our group. Sure. Um, between some around in the neighborhood of like 2.4 mil, I think. Okay. And um, do you think that? Um, well, that was a bet. I will say that's a, that was a better year than normal. And how many people are in your group? Um, I don't want to say. Three. Seventy-five or two? Three. Got it. So you did say. There we go. Um, so interesting. So then the question of who has more money, you or I, I actually don't know. That was a question from Twitter. <laughs> this is what you're trying to do. I don't know either because like, I feel like, Jeff, you you spend, you, you probably spend more money than I do. I definitely spend more yeah, money. Yeah, I know I that. spend more money than most humans, unfortunately. I know. Yeah. I, I feel, feel like you, that's a real issue with me. I feel like you've certainly made more money than I have probably. You've also, also had more years to make I'm money. also like 10 years older than yeah, you. So I, yeah. I hope I've made more money than you have. If we did a metric per year, I wonder, I would hope, I, I think I probably, I don't know. You've, you've also had more movies made about you and more books written about you. Fair. And fair. started more and started more companies. And yeah. So, I mean, I think Sold a more. lot of this came from this whole, came out of this whole like tout conversation that we'd had at the end of our last podcast or two couple podcasts ago, right? Like there was the point of, you know, like that you were a DFS tout or whatever, and that unabated what you're doing. And so I think the misunderstood part about you is that you, you, do you think it's fair to say that you lack intentionality in things that you do and set do or say? Um, how, what do you mean with the ten- intentionality? Are you saying I kind of just blow with the wind a lot? You just say shit. And like, you don't actually think about like, what that might mean and you're in your mind you're being thoughtful because you're thinking about what you say and you're saying it but you're not thinking about how it might come off to someone like globally yeah i think that's that's fair um and i i think that i kind of right it's like i i know my intentions and like even just your twitter persona right like you say these things and you're not like and and it's kind of because you're like this harmless like wonderful fun-loving human being that you don't think about the worst side, like you, you haven't been burned enough to like, think about when you tweet something like, what's the worst person going to think about this? And do I want to do this and have that person think that about me or say this about me? Right? But if they, but you know what, like you can't control what other people think about you. There are always going to be people that don't. 100%, like there's, but, people, there's people that think the podcast would be better without you on it. And there's people that think the podcast would be better without me on it. And there's people that think the podcast should just like die at, you know, yeah, but the funny part is those people all listen to it, which is like, my point. My my point is like Rufus, can we not make this about how bad I am? This is about how bad you are. Let's yeah, focus okay. on fair point. Fair focus point. Focus on your shittiness. Right, but the thing is, there will always be people that think I'm shitty, and it's it's whose opinion. There are people whose opinions I value. You're one of those people, Jeff. But oh. I also, but I think overall, um, it's my opinion that I value the most. I have like, I have standards I set for myself. I have, and I've realized that like, you know, I get to decide what success is and what failure is and how I I define myself. I generally kind of think it's silly when anyone questions whether you're winning better or not. But Jeff, the thing is like, I mean, they don't know. And I don't blame people for questioning that because how, how would they know? Like, you know, people that or know the inner workings of the industry and like, you know, know people at books and stuff like that. No, but like, you know, the other people are just going by the fact that everybody thinks I'm a winning better and just based on the perception, the general perception, and maybe they think I sound smart, but there's a lot of people that sound smart that are probably not winning betters. So, I mean, I don't blame them. And, and whether, whether or not they think I'm a winning better isn't going to. Okay. We got, we got to stop this. It's too much navel gazing and you are winning better. So let's move on from there. Okay. Let's go in the mailbag. I mean, this whole this whole thing is kind of silly. Like when I was reading it at first, I thought it'd be like amazing fodder because you sent me so many screenshots. But most of them are just Elihu like arguing about with this dude about like why someone wouldn't take a no vig free roll bet, blah blah blah. So let's just move on. Although apparently he didn't no vig doesn't mean penny lines. It, that's what he thought. Okay. So the um, first question. Jim, that I'm sure you want to know is, does Jeff have any good 
Mr. Tony stories from their round of golf. Yes, this is exactly what I want to hear. And I mean that. Well, so the story behind this is I was unfortunately flying to Charlottesville for a funeral. I'm sorry. And I decided to fly into DC early in the morning on Saturday. The funeral wasn't until Sunday. I wanted to get to Charlottesville by Saturday night so I could see some of my college friends and hang out with them. But I didn't necessarily need to be in Charlottesville in the day because a lot of people weren't going to be there. So I was like, well, what I'll do is I'll go to D.C., fly into D.C. Because like otherwise you're just doing like a puddle jumper from D.C. to to Charlottesville anyway. So I was like, I'll just fly into D.C. and see if Mr. Tony or Uncle Tony wants to play uh, golf with me. And so I texted Mark Stern, his producer, and I was like, hey, can you see if Uncle Tony wants to play golf with me? I'm going to pass through D.C and uh is he uncle tony or mr tony i'm confused or does that depend on your relationship i i I mean i call him tony but okay we'll just call him tony so tony i thought it was mr tony so mr tony Tony so so what's funny is so like mike marston writes me back and he's like hey you know uh tony tony said he'd love to take you out like and he's like kind of coordinating and um anyways all of a sudden my phone rings and you know how, like, the phones can kind of guess who people are now? Yeah. So it said, like, Kornheiser, comma, Tony or something like that. And I pick up the phone, and the guy goes, Jeff, it's Kornheiser here. And he's like, this is hilarious. That's what Tony said? Yeah, he's like, Kornheiser here. He didn't say Tony. He's like, I wish he'd said, it's Mr. Tony. Um, anyways, a long story short we ended up playing golf uh, at his country club, which is Columbia country club. It's in like the Chevy chase area. Uh, Chevy chase, not a person in this context. It's a region in England. I don't, I just learned that it is. I only, it's based, I think on a, a region in England or something like that. That's what I heard. Okay. We go, we go play uh, uh, it. His country club hosted the 1921 or something like that. U S open. Um, okay. And we played there and um, it was, it was super fun. Like Tony and I, we, we walked, we had caddies, we played 18. Um, You know, I was fresh off a red eye. So it was pretty gnarly for me. Okay. Excuses are already starting. No, no. I mean, I played fine. I mean, we didn't really, there wasn't like a real competition between Tony and I, we were just kind of playing and having fun. Like, you know, what's, what's Tony's handicap and what's your handicap now? I'm an 18. Okay. Like I'm an 18 five or something like that. But I'm I'm I think I'll be, I think by the end of the year, I'll be down in like the 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 short game just still evades me. But anyways, I finally got new clubs. I finally got all my new clubs. So that's good. That's made a huge difference. Um, anyway, so it, it was fun. And it was what was fascinating about Tony was he really leaned into to talk and get to know me during that round where I'm just this random guy that shows up on his podcast every week during the football season. But we really had like a, we like talked about each other's lives and growing up and, you know, we talked about a lot of stuff about the shit that matters. Yeah. It was very meaningful. Awesome. And then after the round, we sat and had a beer together and yeah, it was, it was, it was wonderful. It was really nice. And like, you know, he didn't let me pay for anything. And like, it was, it was nice. Um, so that was very enjoyable. Any other questions about it? No, that sounds, that sounds really nice. I need to. Um, he said the next time we should play with you also. He was like, we should call you also, but I'm like, he's in Vegas right now. Yeah. But maybe I'd fly there. We need to, although I haven't been on an airplane since December, which is kind of a very unusual for me. I feel like that's probably the longest I've gone without traveling via air. Well, so our friend Ben Fox said, wait, before that, I want to ask Jeff, we should try to get Mr. Tony on the podcast. Do you think he would come on? I don't want to bother him with that. I mean, he would probably do it, but like, we don't need to do that. He's, he's, he's your special person. I get, I get it. No, it's not that he's my special. I know. I know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, yeah. Ben Fox says, what do you think is the dumbest, dumbest public bet out there right now? SGP, NRFI, et cetera. The NR, it's so funny that now like the bet in the first inning or no run in the first inning is. Um, like, so you don't listen to Simmons's podcast, do you? 
No, I don't listen to any sports podcast, to be honest. So Simmons, Simmons now has had Haralabob on a couple different times. He, In, and I've, I've heard this though, right? He watching watched, them talk, listening to them talk to each other is like half cringeworthy, half amazing content. It's half cringeworthy because the difference in intelligence between the two of them, uh, especially as it pertains to sports betting, is insane, right? Yeah, like yeah. Bob is so sharp, right? You can say whatever you want about Bob and like how he made his money and all that kind of stuff. But about the NBA, he's incredibly sharp. And about betting, he's incredibly Bob, sharp. Bob right? is a winning NBA better. I just want to say that. For sure, right? <laughs> and so, um, so you know, like uh, Simmons has this big deal with uh FanDuel, right? And he has to like give out a same game parlay. That's his whole thing. Oh, because well, and so like you, you should same probably just listen to the most recent much. podcast, listening to Simmons talk to Bob about same game parlays and like feeling giddy about it. And he wants to do an alternate line as part of his same game parlay. And Bob is like, dude, come on, stop with the alternate line. You're already those lines are terrible. You're already giving up so much value there. Like, just stick with the regular line. And Bob has actually given out two basically same-game parlay winners, but basically total and spread, right, in the last two times he's been on Simmons' podcast. And Simmons is, like, so giddy that he can't even, like, listen to Bob as he, like, essentially, like, teaches him how to bet. But any of you guys that, like, are out there and haven't listened to this podcast should listen to it because it, it it actually exemplifies the difference between a recreational better and a winning sports better right like bob represents the winning sports better simmons is the everyman same game parlay william hill probably has a plaque of his picture up on the wall i was gonna make a joke about isn't that the vibe we have but no <laughs> maybe i i mean i love i would love to be the everyday recreational better because it's way more fun yeah you get to bet overs and root for things to happen uh so so what is what is the dumbest public bet i would say the same game parlays because like the hold is ridiculous on it like i'm actually working we're 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 gonna we have something in the works hopefully if we get around to it um for football season for unabated um for that but which will basically rather than telling you what to bet it'll just be like no this you'll you'll be like no this is a shitty bet don't do it just the well i mean the the concept what's that well, I mean, the thing is, you don't know how much they're holding. You don't know how, right? Because you you don't, like, you have all these things you parlay together. You don't know how they're pricing the correlations or anything like that. So in a way, like, generally bets with big hold like that, like, or books that hold a lot, like, sometimes there are opportunities because, you know, they can get away with most things, but but they tend to be dumber books. Um, and, and so I'm sure there are some opportunities there, but, like, overall, you're just paying an incredible premium. You're like, it's it's the household is got is has to be ridiculous so what what bob also said and again like going back to bob being i mean he basically says like he loved same game parlays back in the day in college football when you can parlay like <laughs> over like 14 spread with the four for the 40 total and he just like you know kind of rattles it off and again like minus Simmons can't, even, Simmons and, can't even listen to him enough to understand what he's saying he's like Oh yeah, and like you just can't get that anywhere anymore. You used to be able to get that at every sports book, and now you can't do it anymore, right? Dude, there, there, there used to be books that would take the dumbest shit. Like back, Jason Bean at LVSC when I was there told me how once he bet. Um, this is maybe like it, around the year two thousand. He'd bet, like I think it was Oklahoma laying forty-one points. Parlayed that with over forty-four and a half, and you get paid as if they're hundred percent independent. So yeah, that is not the type of same game parlay. That's not. And, how. And, and I think the reality is you kind of know a lot of these exotic bets that they create are not designed to give away edge. They're designed to get more edge. Right. And, and, but they're designed to make it look like they're good bets. Yeah. Like you're like, you, you think, Oh, these things could easily happen. Right. Like, Oh, you know, nine to one odds on these six things. Like, yeah, it probably that's like the classic people don't understand the difference between bad odds and really bad odds. It's taking advantage of these cognitive biases. Mm-hmm. What do you think? So, what, Jeff, before we get to other ethical stuff, what do you think about that ethically? Building products that you know are going to cater to these, you know, take advantage of these sort of 
cognitive biases in people's. What do you What do you think? I think of those. I think you think it's probably okay because I don't know. No. no, I don't know. That's I think it's predatory. I mean, I, I think this general, the Keep general it. issue I have with being in the sports betting industry, and one of the reasons I'm not in it is because at some level you have to make money off of betters. Like it, it's it's really hard. Like I know what you guys are trying to do with unabated. I applaud you for trying to do that. But at some level, right? Like if you look at action. And, you know, action, like we know Brian, Brian set out to do something that would, would help sports betters, right? He didn't actually believe, like he was building an app mm-hmm. that he thought could help sports betters. That was his goal. But at, at some point, like you have to make money and where does the money come from? It comes from losing betters, right? The money that's, that fuels this industry comes from people losing. And people think it's righteous when I do this and maybe it is, and maybe it's totally idealistic and impractical. And at the end of the day, like people all pay for services at some level, like, does that, like, are people getting scammed by buying, like someone said to me, like, are people getting scammed with, by buying Microsoft products? You work at Microsoft. And I'm like, you're a Microsoft tout, Jeff. There we go. I am a Microsoft tout. I have a great Microsoft tout shirt. Um, okay. No, no. Like, but I think that applies to betters too. You know, if I'm like the reason that I can make a living doing this is because there's people that are losing this. The sports books wouldn't offer bets if they were losing. So there's your sort of ethical conundrum. Now the quite now I if, if, you know it's no because like that, no it's it's entertainment. You Jeff, you play craps willingly, and you know you're expected to lose a little bit in the long run. Yeah, but I'm not. But it's I mean, entertainment. Like, there's there's right? a no. Like I'm like literally playing for the entertainment value, right? And I would say that most people are betting for the entertainment value. When I when I bet on a golf round with friends, I'm betting. I'm not. I don't think I have the best of it. I'm betting for. Let's let's let's. This is like a silly conversation because at the core, of course, yes, there are there is an entertainment value, like the recreational value, all that kind of stuff. Like totally fine, right? And, and the, the industry, but that's not like what we're worried about with the industry. We're worried about it, that it's an industry that shows advertisements of people winning and people being excited to win, but yet kicks out winning betters, right? Like if you win too much, they're going to kick you out, right? It's downright un-American. Okay. Okay. But that kind of dovetails to the question Telemachus posed of, do you bet into PPH accounts, paperhead accounts? If so, how do you feel about taking money from people who are likely less intelligent and less wealthy than you? Or fewer intelligent and fewer wealthy? Now Jeff doesn't have to make this joke. I don't really understand it, I guess. So those are, you don't understand the paperheads? No, I know what paperheads are. And you should explain it because some people probably don't. They're essentially street bookies and... I mean, there's three bookies that use these websites. Right. There's websites that basically any bookie can use their software and they pay, they, they pay the person, the soft, the person that built the software, that, that company, the, uh, a certain do- amount for each account they have, they create. So it's, yeah. I mean, I think there's different, there's lots of different bookies within the PPH scene too, but I mean, so I guess the difference there is that you're taking money from a person instead of a corporation or something. Oh, that you're taking money off the bookies. Is yeah. that an unethical? I don't think it's no. unethical. I have zero issues with that from an ethics perspective. No, I mean, they're, they're trying to take money from me. I'm trying to take money from them. It's, and they're, they're getting, we're getting, we're getting, and, and the, the, the rules are like, everyone knows what's going Like, no, I have no ethical problem with that. I mean, they're taking money off of a lot of people. If I take money off of them, that's, you know, eventually they'll stop wanting to take my action anyway. So, um, okay. okay what's your question? You what? get to pick one and then I'll pick one. Well, I'm just going down in order. Logan Matthews. I, well, he has three here, which I kind of like. Um, why does Rufus consider DFS touting different than selling picks? Am I supposed to answer that? I posed the question. 
but I guess it was posed to me. So um, I will say to me, so I guess what I think I'm you're I think you're rationalizing. I agree with whoever said maybe. that you're rationalizing. Um, maybe I am. Like, I mean, for me, I mean, the reason, I mean, this is, well, okay. Why do I consider it different? Um, I think it is fundamentally different in, in the case, in, in just in the fact that um, in DFS, it's about game theory. It's, you know, they're having the best projections doesn't mean diddly squad if you can't project ownership. And if you don't, you know, it's, it's very much figuring out what other people are going to do and how to, to game it. Um, it's like poker, right? And having the best hand rankings isn't going to give you the best, make you the best poker player. If you know all the hand ratings, know all the percentages, you still need to know how to read your opponent. Um, you need to know what the other, what other people are going to do. And so um, I think what I'm doing is a part of this whole ETR product around this, which I think these guys produce like, I mean, they're great personalities. Um, I really like, I mean, I've done some betting stuff with Adam in the past. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that you're literally selling your information to people. Yeah, I in, guess. In, in a way that like, you're not sure if how valuable it is from a profitability standpoint. Well, I think it's, it's, you're right. I'm not, I'm not sure how profitable. I mean, Rufus, it's like, you have to just stop and say like, you made a mistake. You're not going to sell these going forward after this season. You wouldn't, you would, if you went back in time, you wouldn't have done oh, this right now. I'm committed stop to this rationalizing I'm in a way that like, yeah, it's okay Steph, I'm committed to this like for the, freaking tout. What? I'm committed to this for the year. And at the, and after that period, I'm going to reevaluate. Are you, so you may continue doing it. I'm, I said, I'm going to reevaluate. Like, I'm not going to come on here. I'm not going to come in here and say, I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to like, because that's. But Rufus, it's either. You want me to like say, you, okay. Cause I feel like I don't want to like. a lifetime. You've made a lifetime making, like telling people that like touting wasn't okay. Selling picks and selling information like that is not okay. And like. It's crazy to me that you continue to rationalize this. Like I like the best explanation I heard from you was these guys were friends. They wanted this. I like did this. Like if I could go back in time, I wouldn't do it. It's, is it the worst sin of, did you commit murder? No, but did you make a mistake across like what you represent as a brand and what you believe in your life? I think you did. Okay. I mean, I feel it like, look, I'm going to reevaluate this after this for sure. And so and then you lose all your credibility to like say that touts are bad because you've basically done what they do to some degree. So Rufus and I talked a little bit off the air <laughs> on this. I'm going to drop this. I think, I think the reality of this and I will just speak for myself and Rufus can one day speak for himself on this is that fundamentally trying to build a business that makes money off of data information in sports betting slash DFS. It's tough and it's tough to do it in any kind of real ethical way in any way that you can feel good about. And for me personally, that's just why I've, I, I don't do it. Right. Like, and why I've shied away from this as an industry, et cetera. Right. And so we will all follow Rufus's journey as he does this, his journey into manhood, as he tries to figure this out and, and navigate. Um, and you guys are still welcome to go after him on Twitter. Uh, but let's move on to uh, to uh, Logan's next question. Yeah, I, I also want to say, though, first off, when people say I'm a huge hypocrite, that's fine. They're entitled to that opinion. But I also like people. I, I think that people's opinions grow and evolve throughout their life. And it's like if a politician like runs, I think FDR ran saying that he didn't would you know the u.s wouldn't enter world war ii right and then things you know, right like Did a, you just really compare yourself to fdr in terms of a, a opinion or, or, not to or, or, or like the john Kerry swift boat thing right like if you're serving there are people that think you take yourself too seriously that's weird okay if your opinions if you're around long enough you're going especially like in politics right but rufus you can't how can that be well, not, it's you a, you need to like this is like when when I tell you to shut up and like I'm saying it in a way for your own good, okay. right? Like you are rationalizing a decision that 
Jeff, we I'm not saying about, I made the right decision. I'm not. And I'm not saying people aren't like, so don't have a right Take a step back. Let's stop talking about I'm it. Let's move on that. to the next I, thing. My, my going back to what you said before, like this was something I did because I like these people and their friends and it was. Right. So Rufus, like, again, like sometimes less is more. Okay. Like Paul Rudd says in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, just do less, do less. Now, now, now you're not doing anything. Do less. Okay, and then Logan Matthew says, you're tied after 17 holes and both have 190 carry over water to the island green. What club do you hit if you go first, if you hit second? Well, if it's me and Jeff, it's, I don't think what you hit um, is going to affect me. Oh, unless I, yeah, 190 carry over water to the island green. I mean, that is like 17 sawgrass, but that's not 190 carry. But if I had 190 carry, I don't know how long I have in the, if it's 190 carry over water, like I would probably hit either a soft five or a hard six. I'd probably have to hit like a five wood or four iron would be my guess, but I, I'm not really sure why he cares about the answer to that question. I mean, just, I don't understand the camp. I hit a six. I hit a six iron two oh five, and I hit a six iron on a one seventy. All depends. But do you know what the carry is on all this? Um, I know that I can carry. Like I can carry my six iron one ninety. Like if I swing hard at it. Um, but you follow decade. If you follow decade, then that's not what you should be doing, right? You should be hitting your five iron there because you just said swing hard at it. I mean, sometimes I hit, I do better if I take a harder swing, if I, cause you know, I feel like some, I, his, his, I don't, you don't follow the decade system, right? Because like, I do, I, I, I've watched all those, I've actually went through, went down the rabbit hole last week, watching a bunch of videos, but yeah. I think it's, it's about commitment to the shot. And if it's harder to like, right. You, but I don't know exactly what, what my carry is for six. Distance is skew. Your distribution. Think about the you much think short is much shorter than your best shot would be. Yes, right? exactly. So, exactly. so the point would be if you're saying you need to hit your six almost perfectly to carry 190, then you would never hit your six there. You right. would hit your five because yes. your six leaves you very little margin for error if you hit short. What what is it? What is being like? If I'm long, that's the other. We don't know, Rufus. But the assumption is that you definitely don't want to be short. Okay, I mean, you don't want to be short or long. It's an island. And he also said, if Cam Smith can't use his putter, what percentile putter would he be? So if you had to like go see Wu Kim and after he broke his putter in the Masters last year and putt with a wedge or something, um, what percentile would he be? I don't know. Would he would he he be better than Luke List? He wants us to talk about Cam Smith and how he won. He wins Calcutta's with them. Fifth percentile. Um, What's the dumbest thing either slash both of you have lost a significant amount of money on? Okay, I'll go first. This wasn't a significant amount of money. It was like fifty bucks or hundred bucks or something. But I once lost a bet to Ed Teach. This is in two thousand nine. I bet uh, that France did not border Switzerland. Is in my head, he, he was a geography major in college, but in my head, I was confusing um, Austria and Switzerland. I lost. Very dumb. Do, do you watch Succession? No. So I lost $500 recently on an over-under of a character on that, the height of a character on that show. What was the, the He was He was Cousin Greg, and the over-under on his height was something like, six four and i was like there's no because i don't think any actors are tall so even though he looks really tall on the show i thought for sure he just was probably like six one or six two at most and the guy's like six five so i lost that and that was totally stupid to be losing that um love the calcutta stuff have you ever guys done a regular season one if so do you have a template what i would like to actually talk about is how like the process of creating a Calcutta like payout thing, right? Like I think that process that we've gone through has been pretty fascinating because this, this NBA one that we've done is, has been tremendously interesting. It's created like great sweats. I mean, I do think like the next year there probably will be more individual player props that get attached to different things. Um, And there's probably some things we'll tweak. 
but the sweats that are still involved in this thing, even in the, like, cause like I have Philly, you know, Philly looked great coming out around one and then Embiid gets hurt and they could legitimately now get swept because Embiid's not playing in round three. And all of a sudden they win 5% for winning the first round and they might split another 3% with Brooklyn for being one of the teams that gets swept. So now I'm almost rooting for them to get swept, which is hilarious. And then we have, we also have Dallas who uh, won their first round, which was great because we only paid, I think, 37,000 or something for them and that they're worth 50 now. And there's a reasonable chance that Luca will be the leading scorer of, of any, you know, it's between him and Jokic right now and Jokic isn't playing anymore. But like, I do think it's fun. Like you guys should, like I encourage all people that want to do Calcutta's to look at the ways we've done them and don't necessarily use ours, but create your own because it's fun to create your own. You want a reasonable percentage going to the teams that actually perform well, but then there's a bunch of fun things that you can put in, which are both fun sweats and, um, you know, fun things to try to model and whatnot. Uh, how often and why would you take a week off from betting golf? Um, how often I've taken, I don't think. By the way, did you know that Tony talked about you on his podcast being the preeminent golf better in the world? That's very nice. And- where because did, I told him the story, I told him the whole thing on the golf course, and he relayed that on his podcast. You should listen. Like the story he tells of me playing golf with him was pretty. It was pretty fun. For I, I listened to the podcast where he talked about play, you playing golf out. Yeah, you don't remember him saying that about you? No, I just. I mean, I listened to the part. Well, was it later on or was it the early in the podcast? No, it was. It was. His, it, I mean, he told it all in the same story. It was like a probably five minute story or something. Yeah, I listened. Maybe I just didn't remember. Okay. How often and why would you take a week off from betting golf? Um, I don't know. Maybe I need to do that more often just because the last time I took meaningful time off was like, you know, a, a week completely away from work was Burning Man and it was fantastic. But there, are, I think there also wasn't a golf event that week. Um, so you don't really ever take no, weeks. You, really. you take weeks yeah. off if there are tournaments that you don't know how to model like match play. No, I did that. I, I, because of the ETR thing, I did that. And actually, it turned out to be quite profitable for me. It was one of my best weeks of the year. So, the match play or the team match play? The team, yeah, the Zurich. But, but you I, didn't I do the match play one. I traditionally take, I, I don't do the Riders' Cup and President's Cup. Okay. Each of you decide, if each of you decided not to go to college, what would you have done at the time? And where do you think you'd be now? I decided not to go to college. If each of you, if I asked. No, right, right. If, right. But I, like I had no, I have no idea what I wanted to do. Like at the end of high school, I wanted to be a sports journalist. So I kind of had to go to college for that, I guess, or I could have kept writing articles for the Alexandria or for the like connection newspapers for free, but that wouldn't pay any money. So I don't like, I have no idea. Be a dishwasher. That's what I was. That's, that's the only job I had before college. Or maybe I'd be like a, I mean, I was a Little League baseball umpire and a youth soccer referee, and I really enjoyed those. If I could, like, go up the ladder for that. I have no idea, though. What about you, Jeff? I'm, like, trying to, like, rewind back to my college, my high school self. And I, like, really liked poker in high school. So maybe I would have tried to get, like, serious about poker. But poker wasn't really a thing when I graduated from high school because it was 1990. There wasn't, like... I mean, it was just such a different world, right? There wasn't really the internet. Oh, wait, sorry. From high school, I graduated. Yeah, 1990 from high school. Um, I don't know. It's just a really hard thing for me to even think about because like culturally, like going to college was the thing I was going to do. Like there wasn't a lot of decision making. Maybe I would have tried to write. I don't know. Maybe I tried to be a writer. I I really have no idea what I would have done. Like I like cooking a lot. So maybe I would have tried to go work at a restaurant. Hard to say. Working in a restaurant was fun. There's a lot of tout questions. So we'll just skip over those. Um, oh, is Rufus going to adjust his NFL models to account for young quarterbacks that are better prepared for the NFL than the past? I mean, I are they, Herbert. Are they better prepared than in the past? I mean, like, well, so, so what about Sam Darnold? Like, Rufus, 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 just. Yeah. Here, okay, so here is here is something that we do talk about, right? Which is that back in the day, you know, 
I don't know when this switched. Maybe this switched like seven, eight years ago, maybe 10 years ago. Like, but but quarterbacks used to sit, right? Like these other quarterbacks didn't get a chance. The young quarterbacks didn't get a chance to play very often. Like the that is not a non-stationary data set. So I guess the question is, what would actually make you start reconsidering how you model quarterbacks, especially rookie quarterbacks? The data. <laughs> like so, and, and the data just hasn't indicated that yet. It hasn't. Like I, I do agree that they're more prepared, um, but you still have a just as many guys that don't succeed as that do it seems like i mean for like we we tend to remember the guys that just immediately stepped in and were successful but i mean think about the the sam darnold's of the world actually who who was the um the the josh rosens the um you know there's there have been a lot of picks that didn't work out yeah i agree so I think it's interesting. You just basically say what the data would tell you. And so there we go. I mean, if um, I, maybe I, if I, I think the challenge is figuring it, figuring out how to update quickly off of a small enough, sam- like a small sample to, to figure out, you know, whether someone's going to be a Josh Rosen or they're going to be a Tyler Murray or if they're going to be a. I mean, that's the pro- projection projecting players. If you have a better way to do it is certainly a, a way that you could get edge right now. For sure. Yeah. And I don't think any of us, either of us knows how to do it, but we believe that probably that there's, there is edge to get there. Uh, NFL win total thoughts before the rest of the NFL schedule set. We have opponents, but no dates, any value. Um, I have a, I'm, I'm starting, I started prep on Massey Peabody this week. So. Do you consider bookmaker slash bet Chris to be the market setting sports book for college football? College football. Um, I don't know. I mean, Circa like has higher limits when they open actually than Chris does. The problem is like Circa is it's not available to everyone. Right. But it's right. Not directly, but people can, it's just like saying like, do you yeah. think that, do you think that Circa Rocky, gets I'm in Vegas? Like it's not like, there's plenty of books that aren't available. To I know, I know. But Rufus, I'm asking, do you think that Circa gets as differentiated action or as like a good, you know what I mean? Like, does it get as good action as Chris and Penny do? He gets plenty of sharp action. I'm asking you a question. Look, like, does it get as good action as those two places? Like sharp action. Because yeah. to be the market making book, you need to have sharp action. I believe it does because I believe nobody's going to be betting into like a thousand dollar limits at Chris with like, like that, that is sharp because they're, they know, they know they're going to move the market if they could bet into, you know, get $5,000 at Circa or, you know, so I think, and Circa does move on action. So I think Circa, I think Circa openers are, are probably sharper. And look, that's just me saying it because of, because of the limits. I mean, I think that's, I don't know. I very much believe that, you're not going to get, you're going to get fakes and stuff if you have lower limits, especially if you can move the market. What's Jeff's playbook on so much golf and Vegas trips with two small children? If this schedule playbook helped you, if his schedule, what may, maybe this can help me with Mrs. Nate. That's a question for you, Jeff. I mean, I don't know. I don't go to Vegas that often anymore. I probably go, what, three times a year for, like, fun trips? Pretty often, though. I think for most people, but I think, like, my take on life and having a family is that, you know, like, I love spending time with my kids. Most of the golf I play is not does not take away from time with my kids. It's other – I find other ways to do it. Um, in terms of, like, Vegas trips, I just think you need those trips to, like, be a better parent, a better – whatever like you just need to go and and have fun times and you know like thankfully there's people in my family that agree uh let's see here how do you take first step into my sport i'm not uh, i am not either one of these guys but do you realize a paperhead is just a skin for real office anything else that you see in these um let's see Sativa or Indica? <laughs> Jeff probably doesn't even know what those are. I mean, I know what they are, but I have no way to answer. I, I have no idea how to answer that question. 
but it all depends on if I want to go to sleep or not. Indica um, in the couch, right? Um, who wins the Wells Fargo? Questions are kind of dying down. Oh, who has more money, Rufus or Jeff? And I think we talked about this before. How do you take the first step into modeling sports? Acquire data. How would you? How would you? A pro like so if I were to figure out how much knowing you to guess how much money you have, I don't even you know, know you have probably a bunch of money that's just sitting around in like literal cash and in sports books and whatnot. And I'm guessing that amount is like in the you don't you should literally just not tell me if this is true or not because that but I'm just guessing. Like I'm guessing that amount is in like the if you made 2.4 last I didn't year. make 2.4. What's that? That's not me how much I made. I know, but I'm 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 guessing that on you have like between two like a little like between two to three that you just kind of have liquid for stuff, whether it's in crypto or in cash or whatnot. And then you probably have you know another. Like, I don't know about your like Caribbean Cayman Island property or whatever. Like, I, I would probably say your like overall net worth is like five or six kind of thing. That would be like a rough estimate. Maybe let's say six. <laughs> 12? I don't know what it is because I have a lot of money in investments like that are less liquid too. Fewer liquid. Fewer a lot liquid. of real, real estate, like private equity. Like, so I've no, I mean, I honestly have no idea. A lot of it's just speculation. I guess another way I could have done it is like over the course of your 20-ish year career as a sports better, you've probably saved on average, you know, ramping up, I don't know, like at worst, like, yeah. So that was a, that was a low answer. I'll agree that was a low answer. Anyways um it's i like that everyone is really using fewer and and less and abundant fashion they're learning they want to ask more about oh okay and then finally we'll talk about this because this is kind of the last question uh they ask about whether like our last conversation made you reflect on this whole thing and what what's annoying about your answer is like i think the reason that you drive some people crazy because you don't answer it in a direct way. You answer it in a very like, oh, I'm so zen. You're like, there's been a lot of reflection in my life in the but last year. But I just year. say I answered yes. There's been reflection. So yes, right? Yes. You, I mean, like the, the answer that makes you more. Um, uh, I don't care if people relate to me or like me the most. But I'm, like, I'm not my Twitter. It's not trying to be the most likable person or whatever. I'm trying to. You're, you're, wor it's, you're working it's working that's good the, the you're one, definitely not the most likable person on twitter the one thing you don't think being relatable is a is an interesting thing for, especially for someone course. as smart but, as you yeah, are i'm being myself i think that's what i am but don't you think I, in I'm life you should myself. try to be more relatable do you care about being relatable? I, I personally, I think I have been very relatable with a lot of the stuff I've talked about. And I feel like, in, and I've had a lot of people reach out and say how- But I'm, 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 I'm making a suggestion. Okay. Right. For you. So how- you been more relatable. What that means. Like what? To, to talk more about my flaws to like, I don't, I don't is it, I, I don't I know. It's like, I think, I think being able to admit that you made a mistake and being able to, and I'm not like, we don't have to talk about this specific incident. I'm just saying in general, being able to admit you made a mistake in any public forum it, to anyone you like care about or respect or whatnot, like just, it, I think that's hard. And I think that's make, that's what makes people relatable when they do that. Yeah. I've made so many. What's the biggest mistake you've ever made in your life? Um, I don't know if I can, something I can share. How about in just like sports betting, like non-personal? When you were betting a model where there was a bug in it for whatever? <laughs> yeah. I think I think I made, honestly, you wanted to say a mistake I made on Twitter was like, I think, I think going like that whole thing, going after Schwimmer and all that, I think that was a mistake. I think that just wasn't, 
it didn't, I don't know. I don't know what, I didn't get anything out of it. I wasn't, didn't, you know, it was, I don't know. It's not who I am. Jeff, you know me, I'm a very positive person. I'm not like, this, I mean, there's so many things about the swimmer thing for you, that chapter in your life that made no sense. Yeah. But I, I've certainly, I don't know. I've, I've made, I, so the I've, thing I've that I made a lot the, of mistakes. I know you want me to say I made a mistake with the ETR thing. No, 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 I don't. I don't at all. That's not what, that's not what I'm getting at at all. Like let's, I don't, we don't need to talk about that anymore. I, I think what's interesting about people's misunderstanding of you is how, and I think you will readily admit this, how like kind of lost that you are or have been like, and I'll just say professionally over the last few years. And it's not that you're like lost, meaning like you don't know how to sports bet or anything like that. You're, you're searching and yearning for some sort of like different meaning in the work that you do. And you can't really figure that out because you think a lot of it is about camaraderie or working with people on things and then you also get in these situations where you're like oh this is tough to actually work with someone on things like at times so I, I think that's 100% right like I, I feel like for like five or six years I've been talking about like like wanting something more in my career and so I think that's why I've you know well that was that was the, the, that was the, the swimmer thing in a nutshell that's why right why I considered it yeah for sure and and honestly that's why like you know, I, you know, have done the sort of startup businesses that I have done, including unabated um, and, and the ETR thing. I mean, like, but I think I, I will say, I think I've realized where to find the meaning. Um, and it's honestly more the mental health stuff and it's stuff completely unrelated to sports. And that's fine. It doesn't have to be like, the meaning doesn't have to come professionally. As long as if I'm enjoying my what I'm doing professionally, that's that's enough. If I if I have an outlet, if yeah. I, if I'm meeting in something else, right? Because for me, for for so long, like I define myself based on betting, and but I and and I got, it kind of held me hostage because I yeah. felt like you know like like I felt like I could never quit because I was this was very profitable for me. Like I, it, I felt like I couldn't take a vacation because of like, I think about how much money I'm losing by taking a vacation in a way. So I think, I, I think I've better perspective now, but I, but Jeff, I agree that I think that, that the sort of searching for something, and it isn't like, that doesn't mean that I was like, you're right. I wasn't lost, but I just wanted something more out of my career, I guess. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a, being a sports better for livings is certainly a different existence than most people have. It's, it can be kind of lonely. It's like, I don't know. Right. People don't understand it. I hate talking about it. I, when I started doing this for a living, I love talking about it because I just, you know, well, so it's now I, now I just don't ever want to talk about it. What's interesting is that they, I was recently at a startup event and they did a video of me and they asked me like, what is like a snippet of advice that you would give to start like to, to startup founders? And it, this, I forget where I heard this. I, I can't take credit for this, but I think it's like a brilliant, I think it was on some podcast or something like that. I think it was a brilliant um, observation. And they basically said like, whatever, like startup or whatever business that you're taking on, you should be excited and comfortable to talk about it every day for the rest of your life because like you're going to have to right like y- you and captain jack should be excited to talk about unabated every chance you have for the rest of your life otherwise like it's probably not a good idea that you're starting this company right and that's that's like a fascinating thing because like in my life there's been companies that I've started where I haven't really been particularly excited to talk about it and I know that's when like the shit's not going well. And like, it's not like, it's like the, you know, the entrepreneurism is like very hard. And that idea of like being excited to talk about what you're doing is a very telltale sign. Yeah. Honestly, the thing I'm most excited to talk about is like, I don't know, the more philosophical stuff. I know you are. You always want to talk about your Zen sports betting. It's not not like... Um, I mean, look, this is, I mean, honestly, Jeff, like the whole, I've always been kind of, I think people don't realize, you're right. I feel like, I don't know, some friends of mine have said that 
and my therapist that I think people get a different impression of me than what I actually am. Like I've always, I feel like I've always thought about these sort of deep things, but I haven't always just started, I haven't always talked about it. And I've certainly like, you know, there's times in your life where you sort of go through phases as well. Like I got into Buddhism in 2000, end of 2015. It's not a new thing for me. But. Right. Um, anything else from your standpoint um, that you want to talk about? I don't know. We, we Jeff, what's we got to figure out what your net worth now is, though. I don't know. You can you can ask her back it out. I don't know. I mean, you you probably have a nice cushy seven figure salary at Microsoft, as well as equity, right? You well, have most most of your salary at a place like Microsoft it, it, at the equity. level I'm at is equity. Okay, at the level I'm at. Cause well, because the stock is is liquid, so it's essentially cash, right? They give you RSUs. They're not options. It's Microsoft's not a startup. Right. Um, you sold a business called 10X or for quote over $40 million, according to the, no, no, no. the quote is just under 50 million. Okay. But that is um, $1 is under 50 million. It's not just under 50 million, but it is under 50 million. Okay. When I sold that business, the writer um, from TechCrunch or I think it was Ingrid Lundgren from TechCrunch called me and she was like, I just, you know, and I was literally like, it was like 6 a.m. I was like going to work out at TRX, going to TRX class and answer my phone. And she's basically like, hey, we've gotten some news that it was like under $50 million. Is that, is that accurate? And she, so she said under $50 million, is that accurate? And I was basically like, I was basically told not to say anything like from a number standpoint. And I was like, I mean, I would tell you if you're reporting something wrong. Right. And she's like, so it was under 50 million. I'm like, yeah. So she writes this. And then one of the aggregators, I think Mashable or someone like that, took it and wrote just under 50 million. And then it became known that I like sold the company for just under 50 million, which was um, both true sold, and complete. You sold it for a dollar, is what you're saying. Yeah, I sold it for a lot less than 50 million. Let's just say, let's a lot fewer than 50 million dollars. Let's just say that. Okay. But you sold four startups. Is that correct? Yeah, but none of them were like really big, big outcomes. And I'll, I'll be like completely out. They were like, they were fine. Like they were net. I think most of them were net positive for people involved, but like none of them were big results. And like, I think this is also the dirty secret of being a startup person is like, you know, you can go work for a big company and make a lot more money over time. And from an expected value standpoint, be in a better position than being in a startup because the expected value of being in a startup is very low. But well, it's, I, I would say that, I mean, maybe, maybe like the, the distribution is different. No, I, I think the expected you're, value is you're, very you're, much, you're I think the expected median, value is, is lower. Your median is lower, but you're, but it can be the, skewed. I feel like the mean is probably higher because it can be skewed by the, the very large, the very large outcomes that happen. I would bet. I would bet the mean. I, Rufus. I would bet the mean and the median are significantly lower than what you would expect in a like salaried position at a Google, Facebook, Microsoft, Amazon. Well, if you can get a salaried position like the one you got, for sure. But no. But are... even. But that. But even like a, a young engineer, like in the in the day back in the day, could get the you know, and you stay there a while, your equity accrues and like, it's, yeah, I, I mean, like, but where, I, what about your soul? Where does I, that I mean, go? Some of these places, like your soul's fine. Like you're working on interesting stuff. You're working with really smart people. Like I, I, I think like, that's what I've been looking for for with work for a long time. Like more purpose. I, I, I think I caution people who are starting companies to understand the economics are not in your favor. And if you're going to do this, you're not doing it because you think it's a great financial decision, but because you're passionate about what you're building, because the process of starting a company and that what you, you really enjoy that, like you don't do this because you think you're going to make more money than you would if you took a straight job at like a big tech startup, a big tech company. And I'll, I'll argue that to my dying day, like, again, like I want, and, and I think it's good advice for startup founders because they're startup people working in startups because you got to do these things for the right reason. Yeah. So. 
Well, believe me, right. Jeff, I didn't start. The reason I started unabated is was not to make a lot of money. Right, exactly. But you have a lot of money now, so it's a little bit different. It's true. I mean, for yeah, I wanted a different. It's a different of- profile, right? When now that you're starting it, you have a different reason, and you you have a you still are doing your betting. So it's not like you need unabated to work out, and you need a salary from unabated. It's a different. It's a different calculus. Yeah, I've been. I don't. I do not take a salary for the record. It's like a, a, a good, a good, a good startup founder, right? Probably pays themselves like a lot less than market value. Yeah, or they don't pay if they, or they don't pay themselves for a while. Because while that, you know, while it depends if they raise money or not. But like, yeah, they pay. They're gonna always pay themselves a lot lower than market value. And yep. a lot of most founders are like incredibly talented and could get great jobs places. But they like the the sort of purpose driven, like the goal of building something up rather than who knows why, right? There's a, there's a lot of like romanticism in startups, and I get I guess the reality is like for me as someone that's done it before and has done it his whole life, like I just want people to be clear that that there is like there's romance, but there's also like the reality. Yeah, Jeff, could you could you ever imagine me in a corporate job though? No. Yeah, I think the ship has sailed on that. I think it's yeah. I agree. I'm just, yeah. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you guys all next week. Hopefully I'll have a guest next week. So suggest guests on Twitter because we are going to have sizzle on at the end of June, but it, until then we need some good guests or suggestions. So talk to you guys all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are put to end just running off a of leaded.